listening to the Locked On Broncos podcast, hosted by Cody Rourke, your daily Broncos podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to a very special AFC West crossover series here on the Lockdown NFL Network. I'm Cody Rourke, host of the Lockdown Broncos podcast, joined by your boy Q, host of the Lockdown Raiders podcast, and Daniel Wade, host of the Locked On Chargers podcast. And we have a very special episode today because we're all conspiring. We're coming together, and we're going to be talking about how in the heck can these teams contend and beat Kansas City inside the AFC West. It's definitely one of those things where every team in the AFC West going to the offseason, a lot of questions, but the biggest thing is how do you compete within the division? Uh, Q, Dan, how you guys doing today, man? I'm excited to get into this and break some things down because we got a lot to talk about regarding how to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, man, that's number one question. I mean, that's the number one question, not only for the AFC West, that's the number one question for the NFL because uh, Kansas City has all of a sudden become a juggernaut and they look like and they're built right now, at least on paper, they're built to be a problem for quite a while. So that's an answer that not only the AFC West has to answer, but the NFL has to figure out how to contend with Patrick Mahomes and all the weapons that he has around. So, uh, yeah, the Raiders, the Chargers, the Broncos all have a lot of work to get get to get done this offseason to try to be in the same class as the Kansas City Chiefs are right now. And yeah, they set the bar pretty high there. And unfortunately, the rest of the league only has to play them one game a season at most. You know, we get them twice each every season. So it's going to be pretty hard. But I think if for the, you know, the AFC West, you don't want to become what the Bills and the Dolphins were in the AFC East. You know, I think every one of these teams now, the arms race has begun. Everyone's going to try to copy it. Everyone's going to try to find the next thing to beat that. And that's, you know, what we all have to deal with up close and personal. Well, I think one of the things we can analyze here, because obviously the Chiefs aren't here, uh, this is our chance to kind of conspire against them. You know, take a look at their 2019 season. We all know the outcome. Super Bowl champions, that's definitely something we got to deal with, especially when it comes to some of their fans, to a lot of trolling going on from KC fans. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about it from the standpoint that they are Super Bowl champions. But take a look at the overview. They went 12-4, and four and they just ran roughshod on the entire division. And that was definitely one of those things going back and looking at. I mean, the Broncos weren't competitive in any kind of standpoint against Kansas City in either of those two matchups. I mean, hey, even think about it. Patrick Mahomes went down with a dislocated kneecap in the first matchup. Matt Moore came in and slung the ball all across the field against Denver. And so Denver, they haven't beaten them in about four years, and that has become very frustrating for Broncos players, uh, Broncos country alike. And, and, you know, Q taking a look at it as well from a Raiders standpoint, you know, uh, what were your thoughts on how they did against Oakland? Well, you know, the thing about it is they scored early and they scored often. You know, I mean, they had a record second quarter against the Raiders the very first time they played week two of the regular season. And then the, the second time that they played, they just kind of had their way with them, you know. And it's almost like they called off the dogs a couple times because they had already beat them bad, down so bad that it was like, OK, this game is over. It's not going to be competitive anymore. So now we can kind of power down a little bit and just get to the end of the game, make sure everybody's healthy. Uh, I mean, the Raiders just couldn't compete with them. You know, they don't have the team speed to compete with the, the Chiefs. And the thing about the Chiefs, no matter what the score is, as proven by the playoffs and even the game against the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders were winning in the first game against the Chiefs. And then all of a sudden, quick, boom, they just flip a switch and they're, they're, they're uh, you know, they're back in the lead. And so that's what they do. They're never out of a game. As long as they got 15, they got Patrick Mahomes, they got those weapons, they have an opportunity to score at any time. So what teams have to do moving forward against Kansas City is they overall have to be faster. Every team in the division has to be a lot faster. They got to have those weapons. And on top of that, instead of settling for field goals, they've got to get touchdowns. You don't get touchdowns against Kansas City, you're going to lose that game. 
Yeah, I 100% agree. And from the Chargers standpoint, just like the Raiders, I mean, the Chargers were right in it at certain points of the game. And what it ended up being is, you know, Gus Bradley's soft cover three shell ended up limiting the big plays for the most part. But Q, like you know, I mean, it only took them one quarter to put up 28 against the Raiders. And it just, you're waiting for them to flip the switch. We saw all throughout the playoffs, double-digit comebacks in every single game from them. So I think the one thing is, I mean, for the Chargers, Given the pieces that they're with and without, I mean, they can they competed in those games. Philip Rivers throws the interception on the last drive of the first game when they have a chance to tie the game, which, I mean, stop me if you've heard that before. That's how a lot of Chargers games ended this season. But, I mean, the Chargers beat them in 2018. Obviously, they had the game of the two-point conversion with Mike Williams. They have found a way to beat them, and they found a way to stay competitive. But it's just such a tricky balance of you have to have the offense to keep up as well as having the defense that can slow them down. Well, and going against the Chiefs, too, I think it's important that every single one of us looks at what went well. What did the teams that we cover, what did they do well against Kansas City? And I think from a Broncos perspective, there were certain things that they were able to do. They got away from the run a little bit in some of those matchups. They got a little too tricky in that first matchup. They tried to do a fake punt. It led to a a loss and obviously a turnover on downs, a snowball effect. And we see Kansas City, they capitalize on mistakes and they turn them into this big snowball effect where, you know, let's say they are down by seven points or 14 points. Well, it doesn't matter. All of a sudden, now they're up by 14 points within the clean, uh, the blink of an eye. Somebody said that by the time that the pizza man knocks on your door, delivers your pizza, and by the time you get back on the couch, they've already scored a touchdown. I mean, that's how it felt like when it came to the Chiefs. And I think the Broncos' defense, I, I think in a 3-4 style of scheme, I think they did certain things that matched up really well. However, you know, you got to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes, and the Broncos in several matchups weren't unable to do that. Uh, and you go to the Arrowhead game where the Broncos played them and Drew Locke's homecoming, his uh, third game as a Denver Broncos. So uh, I would say that uh, things didn't go as planned. There was a blizzard at Arrowhead, a lot of snow on the ground. So I don't think we got a real true evaluation of maybe what Locke versus Mahomes could look like. But I think that some of the things the Broncos did well, it came from their secondary, it came despite that, which is re- weird to say because they score big points. And obviously uh, Tyreek Hill scored twice in those matchups on long plays. But Justin Simmons was a bright spot for the Broncos when it went against Kansas City. What about you, Q, in terms of the Oakland Raiders? There were some things that I felt like they were able to capitalize on. What did they do well against KC? Well, I think that they ran the ball pretty well because Kansas City's run defense wasn't very good, you know, and matter of fact, their defense wasn't great. And that's something that uh, Kansas City kind of hung their hat on their whole playoff run is everybody was disrespecting their their defense. But the, the fact of the matter is they're just not very good, especially against the run. Well, the Raiders, that's how they that's how they butter their bread is by running the ball, running the ball, running the ball. The problem is I think the Raiders got away from it, similar to what the Broncos did. They got away from it and decided that they were going to try to compete with the magic tricks that Kansas City puts up. And you can't do that. You got to stay who you are. Now, I said earlier, you got to have a bunch of team speed. You do. But ultimately, you have to play your game. You want to keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline. You want to go ahead and run the rock as much as you can. Have the clock be your your friend and, uh, you know, play really strong defense and get some pressure. But you got to get that pressure up the gut. You get that pressure up the gut. You make him roll out. You hope that your linebackers can, can contain him and not let him get on the outside when he starts to roll out. But uh, ultimately, the Raiders just didn't didn't uh, uh, use the run game enough. They didn't use Josh Jacobs. They didn't just capitalize on what their the Kansas City Chiefs biggest weakness was. I just feel like that they they felt like they were under pressure and Kansas City will do that to you. Put up a couple uh, touchdowns, you feel like, oh, gotta uh, I got to do what they're doing and sling the ball around the yard. Well, the Raiders and Derek Carr aren't ma- meant to sling the ball around the yard like Kansas City is. And so uh, ultimately, they should have continued to pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock and try to play a game, a game of keep away. But uh, ultimately, they didn't and it didn't work out. Yeah, well, it's not just getting that pressure. And I know what you mean. I mean, look at the Tennessee game. I mean, Derrick Henry was having a pretty good game going into that. They were sticking to their game plan. 
Kansas City scores a couple of times and everybody gets scared and gets away from that running the football and, you know, maintaining the time of possession and all of those things. But for the Chargers, they actually were doing pretty good as far as getting pressure on him. The one thing that absolutely killed them in their matchups was letting Mahomes get out of the pocket and letting him run the football. I mean, the first matchup, he was their leading rusher, five carries for 59 yards in that game that they lost at the very end. So for the Chargers, I mean, they were able to get pressure. They let him get out of it. And that was something that killed the Chargers all season long. But the one thing they did really well against him was limiting his yards. I mean, at least passing yards. He didn't go over 200 passing yards in either of the games against the Chargers. But it just seems like there's always that one turnover that they'll capitalize on. Or you just let miss one tackle. You give up on one play like Damian Williams, the second game against the Chiefs for the Chargers, where he breaks an 85-yard rushing touchdown where he broke three tackles in the backfield and everybody else on the Chargers gave up. So it's continue or containing Patrick Mahomes inside the pocket for the Chargers was a big problem. And that's where you really saw him get out and make them pay with his legs which you limited him with his arm, but then you let him get those first downs with his legs. And that absolutely killed the Chargers, even though they did a pretty good job of containing the passing game for the Chiefs, which is saying a lot. And I think, too, you know, you go back to the Super Bowl matchup, the contain for the 49ers wasn't there, and it led to Mahomes' extended plays. Their interior pressure was great, but yep. the edge contain was not there. So I think there could be a little bit of a formula. If you have great edge contain and you can create the interior pressure, I think you might have a chance to to fluster and disrupt them a little bit, which, you know, I think is going to be interesting. And we'll talk about maybe what these teams can do going forward in order to maybe slow down Kansas City. But before we do that, I got to tell you guys about the sponsor of today's episode of our Locked on AFC West crossover series and that's our good friends over there at blue chew now we know that the best offense is when you're able to punch it in inside the red zone fourth and goal fourth and inches you need something to lead you into the end zone and that is blue chew now you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in the bedroom today so listen up go to bluechew.com that's blue like the color blue blue chew brings you the first chewable tablet with the same ingredients as viagra and cialis and you can take them anytime whether it's day night even on a full stomach. And because they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises for you or your partner today. And if you could benefit from more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy choice to enhance your performance today. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians so you don't have to go to the doctor's office anymore or you don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy and it ships straight to your door in a discreet package. They're made in the USA and since Blue Chew prepares and ships directly to you, they're much cheaper than what you would pay at a pharmacy in the best part of it all there is no more awkwardness ladies and gentlemen so right now listeners of the lockdown broncos lockdown chiefs lockdown charters lockdown raiders podcast we got a very special deal for all of you today you can visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment absolutely free when you use our special promo code locked on all you're going to do is pay five dollars in shipping again that's b-l-u-e-chew.com promo code locked on to try it free today blue chew is the better cheaper and faster choice we want to thank them for sponsoring this special crossover episode all right, gentlemen, we were just talking about some of the frustrations we viewed from a Broncos and uh, Chargers and Raiders perspective going against Kansas City because they've been running the division for a couple years now. And we've been talking about the fact that uh, the division, I think, is getting stronger. And I know that things kind of go into question. We'll get into that in the Chargers episode in terms of where Los Angeles is at. But I feel as if the AFC West, when we look at it, is growing. It's getting more competitive and, and teams are obviously relatively young across the board. And I think everybody's embracing that youth 
Chiefs movement. Uh, what are some things that didn't work well against the char- uh, against the Chiefs in these matchups for everybody? I'd say for the Broncos, offensively, they couldn't put up points. They only put up a total of, I think, nine points and two matchups, and they got outscored by 53 points in those two matchups combined. So I think uh, for Denver, it was their inability to put up points against Kansas City, especially against their defense coming in at the time. That first matchup, they were missing starters left and right on the offensive line, on the defensive line, and the Broncos just simply couldn't even move the ball downfield. Joe Flacco in that first matchup got sacked eight times by Kansas City. The O-line protection wasn't there. He held the ball a little bit too long. And uh, just offensively, I think it killed the Broncos and really kind of tarnished maybe how good the Broncos defense did play at times against Kansas City. What about you, Q? Well, for the Raiders, I just feel like their defense let them down. Their defense was on the struggle bus all season long, and particularly against the Kansas City Chiefs, weren't able to get any pressure. You know, again, when Kansas City puts up record points, puts up 28 points in one in one quarter, I almost said a half. It wasn't a half. It was a quarter. You put up 28 points in one quarter. That tells you kind of really all you need to know. They didn't even have to score in the second half and still dominate the game. I mean, the Raiders defense just wasn't able to hang with the, the, the tight ends of, of Kansas City, particularly Travis Kelsey, and wasn't able to hang with the speed of a Tyreek Hill, of a Sammy Watkins, of uh, a McCole Hardman, none of those guys. I mean, they just were not able to compete with dog on dog, mano y mano. They just weren't able to do it. You know, they just didn't have the guys. They didn't have the the, the horses in the stable to get after them. And and again, particularly getting that pressure. We talked about it before. How you have to get pressure on on uh, Patrick Mahomes. The Forty ers showed that in the Super Bowl of how you have to do it. You got to get that edge rush. You also got to get that rush up the gut. And the Raiders weren't able to do any of that. Every once in a while, when they got near him. I mean, and I say near him, then it would either be a, a penalty or or he would just get the ball out and boom, it'd be a big time play, you know, big time completion. It's just the, the defense was not built to slow down the Kansas City offense. And, and that ultimately is going to be your biggest problem. If you do not have the defense and you don't have the firepower just to go uh, like a track meet, you know, if you don't have that, you're not going to win that game. And so the Raiders obviously didn't have the the, the guys on, on offense to get it done. They didn't have the the game changers on offense as far as wide receivers go. Obviously, there's no Antonio Brown there. Their biggest uh, weapon on offense was Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs as a tight end and a running back. And uh, you just don't have the the over the top speed, the the game changer. You just didn't have that. And then defensively, you couldn't slow them down. And so uh, the Raiders really went into the the games against Kansas City without a chance. Uh, and, and I hate to say that because you want to think that a team is competitive each and every time that they go out, but they just didn't have the dogs to get it done. Yeah, well, I think most of the teams in the NFL probably feel that way when they go up against the Chiefs. I mean, the Chargers could be subject to that as well. I mean, there was just times where it just always seemed like if the Chargers were ahead or what the matter was that they were going to find a way to come back. But for the Chargers, and you're going to see this become a trend during this week of shows, it it comes down to the turnovers. Phillip Rivers has four interceptions the first game against the Chiefs, and then he gets two interceptions in the last game against the Chiefs. You can't beat this team with those kind of turnovers. And it's not as if they didn't turn the ball over. I mean, it's still, we don't know who would have won, but at the same time, turning the ball over six times in the two games you play against the Super Bowl champions, that's just not going to get it done. And in both games, they started running the ball well and then got away from it. Neither game had a 70-plus yard rusher for the Chargers, and they've had some successful games on the ground. So they got away from their game plan. They put way too much of it on the quarterback. And you have to be a well-balanced team that can also keep up. And for the Chargers, it was turnovers and a lack of a running game that definitely made the difference against the Chiefs. 
And I think that some formula has been created in a sense, gentlemen, and I think it really goes to the run game. And I, and I want to analyze maybe how each team right now currently with the, the roster set in place for the Broncos, Raiders, and obviously the Chargers is in place. Because I want to go back to the Indianapolis Colts game. I mean, they control the, the time of possession, and I think that's one way you got to do it. If you can control how often your team is on the field in comparison to where Mahomes is, if you can get a couple of defensive stops on several series and you can control that time of possession. I mean, they rushed the ball 45 times in their victory. They only scored 19 points and uh, they're still able to hold on and beat Kansas City now. And then when I go back and I look at that, uh, I think for the Broncos, I mean, ideally their identity on paper in 2019 should have been to run the football. You don't want Joe Flacco coming into week one, being the guy that just stands out there and sits back in the pocket and throws the ball. You don't want that to happen because that's not the strength of what your offense was. We saw in 2018, the Broncos offense predicated off run, 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 Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, but they couldn't get anything going uh, this year against Kansas City against the run. But I think that uh, certain pieces may fluctuate a little bit. The Broncos have some options. Uh, but if I'm looking at the roster right now, I think the Broncos run game, you got to be able to try to run the ball against Kansas City. And in both matchups, I recall, they didn't really do a good job trying to do that. They wanted a lot of the screen games, passing games, and there was just frustration all across the board. So uh, I think that Denver, they could go back to the identity of running Mike Munchak's second year as the offensive line coach for the Broncos going into next year. There's a lot of excitement. There is some rumblings. The Broncos could look at a running back by chance in the NFL draft, or they could bring back Theo Riddick, who they never got to see much of in 2019 due to him being on injured reserve. But, uh, you know, Q, I look at that Raiders rushing attack, man. Josh Jacobs, it was a bummer. He, he missed the last part of the season. But, uh, man, that guy is a stud. He's very talented. Jalen Richard just got a two-year extension uh, from the Raiders. Uh, where do you think the run game is right now for Oakland in terms of maybe how they can compete against Kansas City? I mean, that's the only way they do it. That's the only way they could do it is with the run game. And that's how it should be. I mean, you said it right. The blueprint has been out there. I mean, the 49ers, if they continue to run the ball in the Super Bowl, they win. You know what I mean? They just got away from it. You run the block against Kansas City, you're giving yourself a chance, especially if you're successful. The Raiders were successful against the Chiefs running the ball. They just got too cute. They decided to go ahead and start throwing the ball around the yard and thinking that they're going to compete firework with firework against Kansas City. It just doesn't work that way. You have to commit yourself to the run. You have to be able to do it and and do it at a a very successful rate. And, And the Raiders are capable of doing that. The offensive line is very good. I mean, it's very, very good. I mean, you got a, a right tackle in Trent Brown, who was a big-time free agent, gave him big-time money. Rodney Hudson is an all-pro pro. I mean, he's he's a stud at center. He's been there for quite a while. Uh, the right guard position at Gabe Jackson, I mean, he holds it down. He's done a good job. And even when Gabe Jackson wasn't in there, whoever filled in that role still did really well. Look, Richie Incognito, he all of a sudden had a career resurgence. You know, he was really good at the left guard position. And even Colton Miller, the guy I didn't like when they drafted him uh, as, a, as a left tackle at number 15 overall in 2018, he even had a pretty decent season. So the offensive line is there. The recipe to, to run the rock and continue to run the rock and stay committed to running it is there. Josh Jacobs is a stud, like you mentioned. Jalen Richard, he's really a third down back, so he's a guy that'll probably catch the passes out of the backfield. The Raiders need to get a dude. They need to get a big bruiser. You know, they had, they had signed Isaiah Crowell before the season started, but uh, he tore his Achilles in uh, not even training camp. It was like uh, OTAs or something, something that was very minimal contact. He tore his Achilles, so I don't know if they're going to bring him back or try to bring him back, but they need a guy. They need a big dude that could just pound that rock up in there at third and one, fourth and one. You know, they've got to have that guy. Josh Jacobs is, is really, really good. He's the bell cow, obviously, but you want to be able to spell him. So you want to be able to go ahead and get a guy that can compliment him, whether it's in the draft or sign a free agent. It doesn't really matter. You, know, you get him and uh, you already have Jacobs. And then you got uh, Richard on the, on the roster as well as a third down running back. You can get it done on the ground. And that's what the Raiders have to do. Obviously, they have to find some more weapons to put around Derek Carr, but it all starts with the run game. 
And what I like about the Raiders offensive line is they have big, bad dudes that can just maul you. You know, I mean, they have that talent up front to actually be able to impose their will. And you kind of like what the Tennessee Titans were able to do to people for the Chargers. This is going to be a very big question on how they can continue running the ball with success under Ken Wisenhunt. They went under 80 yards, six out of the eight games. He was the offensive coordinator. They went four straight games without eclipsing 40 rushing yards. And that turned around a little bit with Shane Steichen, six of the eight. They went 80 plus, including a couple of their better performances came under him. But this is a unit that's in transition, including the overall lack of talent that they have on the offensive line. As you know, basically anyone can see they have a new offensive line coach, James Campen, who spent a lot of time with the Green Bay Packers and was most recently with the Cleveland Browns. I like that hire a lot. David Diaz Infante, who used to be with the Broncos and won two Super Bowls there, he's assistant offensive line coach. So I like the guys that they brought in, but this team has struggled to find an identity. And now with Melvin Gordon being an unrestricted free agent and those ties maybe being severed, they need a physical back, like Q said, to be able to come in and get those hard-earned yards and be able to get to third and three and third and two and feel confident that you're going to be able to get that, whether they know it's coming or not. So I think in that aspect, the Chargers are really struggling and are going to have to find an identity going into 2020 to be able to play the game plan that we've seen work effectively against the Chiefs. And I think you guys nailed it perfectly. I mean, the formula is in a strong run game and obviously pretty stout defense. And it's hard. It's hard to deal with some of those weapons that Kansas City has. And uh, we'll get into some of these questions coming up here in a little bit. What is the biggest questions from a Broncos, Raiders and Chargers perspective regarding the Kansas City Chiefs going into 2020? If we're analyzing their organization, their upcoming free agents, their NFL draft, we're going to break that down coming up here in just a moment. But ladies and gentlemen, I do have to remind you guys all throughout this week, you guys are locked in to a locked on AFC West crossover series tomorrow's episode you get to hear about the broncos they're the feature team wednesday you get to hear all about the las vegas raiders now and then thursday the focus is on the los angeles Chargers. and then friday we're going to dive into some very special episodes where we're talking about the afc west versus the opposing divisions in 2020 and we also talk about valentine's day who is our favorite valentine on our football team that we cover we'll do that coming up here in just a moment uh but ladies and gentlemen appreciate you guys stay tuned to locked on afc west all week long here on the locked on NFL Network. All right, gentlemen, jumping into one of the final portions here of this first AFC West crossover episode. I'm joined by your boy Q and Dan Wade, hosts of Locked On Raiders and Locked On Chargers. But gentlemen, uh, from an outside perspective, if we are sitting at the NFL Network desk right now, which I feel like we kind of are, what do you think the biggest question is for the Kansas City Chiefs going into 2020? I, I think for me, taking a look at the broad spectrum of where they're at, they're coming off that Super Bowl high. It reminds me a lot where Denver was. Denver, after Super Bowl 50, they had a dominant defense and they had a mediocre offense led and managed by Peyton Manning. Uh, it gave everybody the notion, okay, well, look, the Broncos just have to have an average guy quarterback that can manage the game, not turn the ball over, convert on third down, convert in the red zone, uh, and still play with that very talented defense. And they can go on and they can win another Super Bowl the following season. Well, things didn't work out that way. So if I'm looking at the Chiefs, if part of me is, you know, there's a lot of talk about Patrick Mahomes' contract extension coming up. How might that impact their salary cap? Chris Jones being a free agent as well. Uh, I think that they might have to rob Paul to pay Peter here. And I think it could come back to bite them in the tail, which, you know, you can't keep everybody happy. And I know that uh, that's going to be the focus, I think, in the next couple of years coming up for the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I think that the biggest question for the Chiefs moving forward is how are they going to navigate through the contracts? You know, they don't have to pay Patrick Mahomes this year. I mean, this offseason, but they could. 
you know, and, and how much are they going to dedicate to him? How much is he going to demand? I mean, he's going to be a guy, in my opinion, that if he said, I want 40 million a year, he would get 40 million a year. I have no doubt about that. So I don't know how they're going to be able to navigate that. Chris Jones, like you mentioned, is a guy who's going to be a free agent. Uh, are they going to let him get out of town? What's going to what's going to be the deal with that? For the most part, they have a, a lot of their weapons. I mean, Sammy Watkins, are they going to bring him back or are they going to release him? If they release him, they save like $14 million on the cap, even though they take a $7 million cap hit. So uh, there, there's some questions there. What are they going to do? And, and, and really, that's that's all it is for me. How does this team stay together? How does this team, you know, keep keep everyone happy as far as money goes, but realizes that, hey, we have an opportunity as a team to really be something special for a few years. I mean, guys, think about this. They should have been in the Super Bowl two years in a row. If they didn't have one offsides last year, they'd have been in the Super Bowl as well. They possibly could be the two-time defending, uh, you know, national football champions. It's, it's just that simple. So that's really the biggest question is how are they going to navigate the money? Uh, they, they got the weapons. They got the dogs to get it done offensively, and they got just enough defense to get it done. I mean, their defense is not outstanding. It probably never will be. But really, when you have the offense that they have, they don't really need it. So do you pay Patrick Mahomes this offseason? Do you go ahead and get it over with? Or do you stall it out and wait for another offseason? If you wait another offseason, the price is just going to go up. So my opinion, I think that they got to get it, get it done sooner rather than later. But that's just my opinion. What do I know? <laughs> when it doesn't seem like they're trying to give it to him this offseason, at least from what has come out from their organization. And you would think they would want to, you know, try to get that done with as soon as possible. But I understand if they want to try to keep that rookie contract going for another season, continue to try to fill out this roster before that giant payday comes for him. Because, I mean, I think about the Seattle Seahawks and with Russell Wilson having the Legion of Boom over there. Well, what happened? Russell Wilson gets paid and then everything kind of falls apart there. I mean, it's so hard when you have these teams I mean, you see it with Jared Goff. Then he gets that big contract. Todd Gurley gets the big contract. And look at that situation now. It doesn't look nearly as glamorous as it was before. So I think it does always come down to the contract situation for these guys with having to pay Chris Jones, who is going to be one of the top free agents on the market regardless of team this offseason, and trying to keep and reload with the weapons that they have. I mean, they get McCole Hardman now. Sammy Watkins has talked about, you know, maybe taking a year off if they win the Super Bowl. So it's going to be very interesting to see there. But like most of these other teams, once they have to pay that big contract, you're not doing the thing anymore where you have the rookie contract and you can build around that. And they still have a couple years on Tyreek Hill's uh, thing. You know, McCole Hardman stepped up for them big time this year. They still have Travis Kelsey. They have some other young, talented wide receivers. I mean, the rumor right now is that Sammy Watkins is more than likely going to be released from the Chiefs, which opens him up. I, I mean, I could honestly see him going to a division rival. Um, you know, taking a look there, uh, Ryan Tracy, host of Locked on Chiefs, had mentioned to me that he feels like the cornerback position, a QB, uh, cornerback one, might be the biggest offseason note for them about where they need to look. And that would certainly be intriguing. Uh, Chris Harris Jr. might become an in-division rival, which would obviously, I would absolutely hate that, uh, but I certainly understand that too. But uh, gentlemen, real quick, you know, let's. how do you guys foresee the 2020 season playing out for Kansas City? I know it's really hard now just because the season ended and we're going to revisit this year back in June after the NFL draft and everything is settled. We can see where some of these teams are at just despite some of the moves we talked about, maybe what they should do. I mean, they're going to be going against the AFC East. The, the entire AFC West is going to be doing that and the NFC South this year. Uh, so I think it, the schedule opens up for 
Denver, the schedule is not as tough. Um, but I think that for the Broncos in terms of a Chiefs perspective, looking at that, I mean, I think the AFC West could be the most competitive division in football in 2020. Uh, it could be one of those ones where they have three potential playoff teams, uh, obviously a division and maybe two wildcard guys. I mean, that's how I see the AFC West developing into. But I think a lot of it's going to be really appealed on based on which team comes out and has the best offseason and pushes that needle a little bit closer towards competing against Kansas City. Yeah, no doubt about that. I think that, uh, you know, Kansas City is obviously the cream of the crop when it comes to the AFC West. So I I feel like they're probably going to win the division again just because uh, I don't expect there to be a whole lot of turnover from the team. So I'm just going to go with what we know and what we know so far is that Kansas City is the best team in the division. And so the rest of the teams in the division, it's their job to compete this offseason. And they have to have a really good free agency. They have to have a really good draft. And like I said earlier, man, they have to increase their overall team speed. You're not going to beat Kansas City if your team does not cannot compete uh, as far as speed goes. You got to be able to keep up with the the wide receivers. Your linebackers got to be able to cover your tight ends or their tight ends. And you got to get D ends and and D tackles that can get after the quarterback. I mean, it's just as simple as that. The overall team speed has to increase for, uh, for each team. I mean, it's just, it's just that simple. And so, I do see Kansas City winning the division. Uh, I don't know what their record will be, but I just feel like they're going to be the best team in the division. And then I think that the the Raiders and and Chargers and Broncos are all going to compete for a wild card spot. You know, I don't know if there's going to be three teams that are going to come out of the AFC West as uh, as playoff teams, but I just feel like the, the the division has an opportunity to get the wild card. You know, they have they have an opportunity for a team to make the the playoffs as a wild card. I just don't know if it's going to be more than one. So I just think that everyone, depending on what the Chargers do with their quarterback position, I think that uh, you know it's just going to really depend on, on that and uh, we'll see how competitive the rest of the division is but yeah I think everyone else is just playing for the wild card it does seem like that right I mean that's what it felt like this year even as the Chiefs started to pull away from everybody else and it's just looking at the AFC West as a whole you just look at the bridge that has to be gapped by the remaining teams outside of the Chiefs and with the Chargers especially with the quarterback situation that they have right there I mean even if it's Phillip Rivers you don't feel good about overtaking the Chiefs, especially within the Chargers. I mean, I don't even know if I'm allowed in this part of the conversation as the Chargers went winless inside of the AFC West last season. So I think for any of these teams, of course, you have to raise the team speed. I mean, everybody is going to be trying to achieve what the Chiefs are able to do with the amount of speed that that team has. But I can't see the division playing out much different, at least from the Chiefs perspective. I think the rest of the, the division probably, you know, ends up beating each other up and that ends up making it a little bit tougher for a wild card chase because I do think it is going to be very competitive this year, but there's nothing that leads me to believe right now that even with a perfect offseason for the Chargers, that there's any one or two or five moves that they can make that they would be the favorites in the AFC West. I think the consensus, obviously, we're all in agreement here in terms of just freshly after the season has ended, the, the Chiefs are the defending Super Bowl champions. They enter 2020 as the odds-on favorite to return back to the Super Bowl and obviously to win the division. And uh, it's up to our teams, respectively, that we cover to maybe punch them in the mouth a little bit. I made the bully uh, analogy in terms of the fact that the Chiefs have been the bully on the playground for quite some time, and it's about time somebody rises up and punches them in the mouth. And we'll see if uh, the Broncos, the Chargers, or the Raiders could be some of those teams within the division that decides to do that. And ladies and gentlemen, this has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, first episode here of our crossover series in the AFC West. I'm Cody York, host of Lockdown Broncos, your boy Q, host of the Lockdown Raiders podcast, and Dan Wade, host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, breaking down our perspective on the Kansas City Chiefs. And uh, tomorrow's episode, we're going to be taking a look at the Denver Broncos, and I'm very excited to hear from everybody in the AFC West, the Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Chargers about where the Broncos are at and maybe what they can do to counteract maybe Denver making a push forward. But ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you tomorrow for a brand new episode of the show.